Back in the day when my girls were born, it was not easy to share photos and videos with loved ones, but you have a fantastic option available, the Family Album app. The Family Album app was created in 2015 and has operated in the long term to give parents a secure and easy way to share photos and videos with loved ones. It's a totally secure personal haven for your family's memories. I love that there's no third-party ads, no unwanted eyes. Now, let me share some of the great features that make the Family Album app a go-to app. First off, the app automatically sorts photos and videos by month, allowing you to swipe back in time and see how your child has grown. No more scrolling through endless feeds or searching through folders. Another cool feature about the Family Album app is you can order eight free photo prints every month to be delivered to your home. It's really nice to have some tangible pictures to hold onto or share to document each month of your baby's life. Plus, the Family Album app has unlimited storage and it is totally free. Yes, you heard that right. No more worrying about running out of space or being bombarded by ads when you're just trying to relive those heartwarming moments. So if you are still trying to use other messaging apps for your kids' photos, it is time to level up your family photo game with a free photo sharing app. Head over to the App Store today, search Family Album, it's all one word, download the app and start creating a legacy of love one photo at a time. Don't let diaper rash come between you and your baby. Diaper rash can be one of the worst experiences your little one has to go through and keeping their delicate skin happy and healthy shouldn't require a spatula to apply thick, goopy treatments that can be just as irritating and uncomfortable as the diaper rash. Instead, try Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is a pediatrician approved skin protectant free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide. It was developed by a mom who is also a doctor when she couldn't find any traditional products that worked for her baby's persistent diaper rash. Use just a small amount of Dr. Mom Butt Balm to help soothe your baby's skin and feel good about making the right choice. Nothing comes between you and your baby, not even diaper rash. Check out Dr. Mom Butt Balm, available on Amazon or walmart.com. Today's episode is an inspiring and uplifting birth story episode. You will definitely want to hear this. Welcome to the All About Pregnancy and Birth podcast. I'm Dr. Nicole Calloway-Rankins, a practicing board-certified OBGYN who's had the privilege of helping hundreds of moms bring their babies into this world. I'm here to help you be knowledgeable, prepared, confident, and empowered to have your best pregnancy and birth. Quick note, this podcast is for educational purposes only, and it's not a substitute for medical advice. Check out the full disclaimer at ncrcoaching.com forward slash disclaimer. Now let's get to it. Well, hello there. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. This is episode number 61. I'm so glad you're spending some time with me today. All right, so today we have a birth story episode, and it's a really inspiring story. 
Emily Wilson is a personal trainer, health coach, and a self-proclaimed foodie. She had two sons, almost seven years apart. She was 19 when she had her first one, and then the second one at 26. And with her first son, she had what she describes as the most unhealthy pregnancy possible. And the pregnancy ended in preeclampsia and a premature baby. Now with her second son, she turned things around, did things differently, had a very healthy pregnancy where she made health a priority. And she had that son unmedicated, quick birth and a super fast recovery. Now her scary, unhealthy pregnancy with her first son led her to find her passion and calling in life as a health coach. And now 10 years later, she has coached over 300 clients and she is super passionate about helping other women change their lives. So today, Emily and I talk about exactly what she means when she says her first pregnancy was unhealthy as well as the pain she still feels today from that birth. We talk about how she was able to have a completely different approach for her second baby as well as her current pregnancy. She's pregnant with her third baby right now. Also, how she manages the guilt from those different experiences, and then just so much more advice is sprinkled throughout the episode, so I know you will learn a lot. Now, before we get into the episode, at the time this podcast is being released, we're in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic. And if you've listened to this podcast before, then you know I have a free class on how to make your birth plan. Well, I want you to know that I redid the class with some new recommendations regarding making your birth wishes in the midst of coronavirus. You can go to ncrcoaching.com forward slash register to sign up. The class is still on demand, still offered several times a day. And this new version of the class will be there as long as we have the things in place related to coronavirus. The previous version will come back once all this has settled, which it will eventually do. But in the meantime, to give you those updated recommendations, check out the new class at ncrcoaching.com forward slash register. It's totally free. All right, let's get into the episode with Emily. so much, Emily, for agreeing to come on the podcast. You have a really interesting story and I appreciate you coming on to share it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to share it and hopefully it can be of help to some women out there either in their pregnancy or, you know, in the future. So I definitely hope it's it's helpful for them. Absolutely. So why don't we have you start off or why don't we start off by having you tell us about yourself, your work and your family? Yeah, absolutely. I am, uh, I'm 30 years old and I have been a personal trainer health coach for coming up on 11 years now. Oh, wow. Uh, Yes. And uh, I've been in the military for almost eight years as well. I'm married to my husband, Adrian, who's also serves with me and he is a police officer full time. And then we have two boys, um, and a third on the way. So we have a, an almost 11-year-old and then a almost four-year-old and then one is in the oven. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and is this third one a boy as well? Yes, it is. It is. You are totally outnumbered. I am officially 100% outnumbered, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I'm curious, what branch of the military do you serve in? 
I am in the Air National Guard, so I do the part-time kind of thing uh, for the Air Force. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you for your service. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yeah. So let's start with talking about your first pregnancy. I know you were young at the time, 19. Was this a surprise pregnancy for you? Oh, yes. <laughs> I don't know too many people who plan a baby at 19, but um, uh, yeah. And actually, my, my first son is from a previous marriage. So I married my high school sweetheart and, um, you know, we got pregnant. Literally, uh, I graduated high school in May and then I got pregnant in November of that same okay. year. And um, I was obviously very young at the time. We got married so that he could join the active duty uh, Marine Corps because we were both like, you know, we're kids. <laughs> we have nothing to uh, really, you know, take care of a baby right now. So we went that path of getting married so he could join and and kind of have a support system there. And, you know, unfortunately that marriage didn't work out, you know, who knew? Uh, and um, so, yeah, that was definitely a different experience and not something that we we had planned. Gotcha. Gotcha. So what was your, well, let me ask you this. You said that that pregnancy was unhealthy. That was part of the reason, you know, you wanted to share your story. So what do you mean when you say that that pregnancy um, was unhealthy for you? Um, I always say that I took full advantage of being pregnant. <laughs> you know, I thought that it meant you eat whatever you want because you're pregnant. And I was very naive to how much your body changes. So I'm like, ah, whatever happens now, I'm just going to bounce back anyways, whatever. You know, just really had no idea what I was doing. So I would literally, I remember I sat down one day and I literally ate an entire bag of like 36 pizza rolls. Like I ate them all. Like to this day, I still cannot eat them. But um, <laughs> so I, I overate all of the time and I, I slept really like 14 to 16 hours a day. It was, I was like a koala. It was crazy. Oh. And um, I packed on all this weight. And again, I just, I was like, oh, it's because I'm pregnant. That's why. And I ended up putting on, you know, close to 75 pounds before I was even full term. And in one month I put on 25 pounds alone. So um, I just, Again, I took full advantage of it. I, I was 0% active. I didn't care about anything that I ate. And uh, it just, the weight came on with it. Gotcha. So just really, you ate whatever you want and the choices that you made weren't exactly great. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of like I put... <laughs> life on pause while I was pregnant. And I was like, you're pregnant. You can do whatever you want right now. And you're not expected to do anything more. Okay. Anything else like any alcohol use or smoking or anything like that? No, you know, I've always been a square. I'm not really cool. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> I didn't dabble in that realm at all. Um, it was really like food was my drug <laughs> if you had gotcha. to say anything. So, <laughs> gotcha. And I worked at Subway at the time. So I got to close every night and, you know, all the sugar cookies, anything left over was on me. So I just took it home and gotcha. fully indulged there. Okay. Okay. So then what was your prenatal care like during that pregnancy? So at the time, you know, I qualified for, you know, the, the Medicare or Medicaid. I can't remember. Medi Medicaid. Medicaid. That's what mm -hmm. it is at the time. And um, I chose to go to a midwife. 
And uh, I, I'd always wanted to use a midwife, probably because my my mom had used midwives. I remembered her story. I was actually born at home on purpose. And okay. uh, so it was just kind of in my head to use a midwife. So I went and um, utilized that through Medicaid. I delivered at our big hospital here. And it was my entire pregnancy, in all honesty, was just pretty much me getting yelled at about my weight. Um, <laughs> and But other than that, it was, it was fairly um, straightforward, nothing crazy. Okay. Okay. Do you think she was um, supportive and trying to help you or was it like chastising or what do you think? Um, as an you know, older adult now, I look back and see that it was her being, you know, a medical professional and giving me advice I needed. But at the time, I just remember being like super nervous before every appointment because they weighed you every time. And I knew she was going to have a comment to say to me. And I remember having a lot of anxiety around that. But again, as a as an adult now, I'm like, well, yeah, Emily, <laughs> she was doing her job of advising you because I was also very honest with her about you know, what I was eating and like why I was packing it on. So she had very good reason to be talking to me about those things. Gotcha. Gotcha. Did you know that 95% of pregnant women are not getting their recommended daily intake of key omega-3s? Enter Ritual. Their prenatal contains 350 milligrams of eco-friendly vegan omega-3 DHA in every serving. One of the reasons I like Ritual is that it's a female-founded B Corp meaning they are holding themselves accountable to not just their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. In addition to those omega-3 DHAs to support baby's brain development, Ritual also has choline and methylated folate to support baby's neural tube development. And the capsules feature a delayed release design to help make it gentle on an empty stomach. Why settle for a multivitamin you're not 100% sure about? Ritual was literally built on trust, so you know it's the real deal. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com forward slash Dr. Nicole. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women Prenatal to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash Dr. Nicole for 25% off. Looking back, do you think that there's a way that she could have approached it differently that would have made you, and I know we're going to get to how you chose differently for your um, subsequent pregnancies, but do you think there was anything that she could have said or done that it would have made you make some changes during that pregnancy? Probably if it was more of a uh, a personal conversation, if that makes sense. It was kind of like looking at the chart, going over the numbers, explaining why it was bad. and. It, it maybe if it come from more of like a, you know, well, why are you eating so much? Well, why is this happening? Well, why do you feel that way? Why are you putting this weight on? Because you know, looking back, I can see that I was, I was terrified to be a, a mom and where I was at in life. And a lot of it was so emotionally driven and sure my relationship wasn't healthy at all. I was terrified about him being a dad to my child. And, um, you know, maybe if it would just have been, more of a personal connection, but you know, I, uh, it was again, just kind of more so going through the numbers in the charts, these numbers are bad and this is why let's do better next time. And that was kind of the end of it. Gotcha. Gotcha. So when thinking about getting ready for your birth, um, and actually let me back up. I, I really appreciate you saying 
that because I think sometimes we get sort of focused on just like the numbers, the numbers, the numbers without really exploring why that happens. And I think we could go a long way if we kind of think about the why behind it and connect on that more emotional level. So that's really important. Mm -hmm. For sure, for sure. So when thinking about getting ready for your birth, was there anything that you wanted at all? Or were you kind of just going with the flow? Um, I'd always had in my head that I definitely wanted to try like a natural delivery. And I honestly, at that time, just being so young, I guess I didn't like, it's so, it's so funny having a baby at 19 and at 30, the difference of it. Um, but I didn't think too much about it. And I was just like, I'm going to try natural. What's the big deal? And uh, <laughs> <laughs> it freaked me out to think of something going in my spine. And uh, just in my head, it was honestly like I was excited about it. You know, I was excited to be a mom as, as scared as I was. I was also very excited. And um, so in my head, I was just going to my water was going to break and I was going to go to the hospital and I was going to have a baby naturally and we were going to live happily ever after. So <laughs> that was my birth <laughs> plan anyways. <laughs> gotcha. Did you read any books or anything or take a class or anything like that? N no. <laughs> Our dog had puppies. They, uh, She had 10 puppies uh, two weeks before I had my son. And I remember like taking her through that birth and I'm like, oh man, I got this. I got experience now. That's <laughs> uh, a little different, but uh, <laughs> no, I, you know, I did absolutely nothing. And we just, we didn't have YouTube even, even 11 years ago. It wasn't like a big thing to research and yeah. Right. I'm trying not to laugh at you, Emily, but my goodness, you were just kind of sashaying through this thing like, I'm going to just show up and have a baby. Right, right. Then that's that's what it was in my head. And I'm like, girl, you. this is why you don't have babies at 19. You don't even know what you're doing. <laughs> well, so let's talk about what was your labor and birth like? Yeah. So um, I was at 35 weeks and a couple days and I went to... Uh, the emergency room, actually, not at my hospital I delivered at, just one closer to me because I was having excruciating pain in, like, my abdomen. And I went in, and they were like, well, at this point, my blood pressure was high, but I was not diagnosed with preeclampsia yet. And they were like, oh, you're just having heartburn. We're going to send you oh. home. And I was like, okay. you know, I've had heartburn, and this is very different than that, but they, they sent me home. So I was home for about a day with it, and then I just remember I was at home. Um, it was about 10 or 11 at night, and uh, my husband at the time was playing video games with his friends in the living room, and I was like, look, man, like something is not right. So we went to my hospital that I was meant to deliver at, and um, we went in, and I started getting woozy and the pain was just insane. And they realized that my brain was swelling, my platelets in my liver had quadrupled and I was about to seize because I was definitely preeclamptic and my blood pressure was through the roof. Uh, they were like, all right, we have to induce you now. So I, Oh my God. So you had severe pre like full on help syndrome. It yes, sounds like. Yes. Yeah. And like I said, they didn't even diagnose me until right then and there when I'd gone into that. And so they said, well, uh, I, I was a day or two shy of 36 weeks. So they were like, you know, weighing the pros and cons, but 
they were like, we're going to do an amniocentesis to see about the development of the baby's lungs. And we'll kind of go off of there and see what's going on just to prepare for when he came. Well, they diagnosed him as lungs as only 40% developed, but I'd gotten so bad at that point that they were like, we have to do this induction right now. Um, so they ended up, well, they gave me just about every pain medicine you could have just because it was so severe. And I did end up having an epidural to help with, uh, they gave this all to me for my, basically my liver pain. That was what was causing such the severe, um, issues. So, um, I ended up having my son and I was on so many different things in all honesty, Gosh, it's kind of hard for me to talk about it now even. I, I don't really remember having him. I was so out of it. And uh, he came out, though, and he was 4 pounds, 15 ounces. So he was a little guy. But he only had to do the, the required four hours in the NICU. He was perfectly healthy, just little. So the lung development thing was wrong, thank God. And I was actually unconscious for about four days after I had him. And I remember waking up and... My mother-in-law at the time came running in the room and they're like, oh my gosh, she's awake. She's awake. I was like, what are you talking about? Because in my head, I just had the baby. I didn't realize how much time had passed. And, um, you know, all the doctors and everybody came in and were like, Emily, like you've been at, you had your baby four days ago. And I was like, what? What's going on here? So I just, I remember that being obviously nothing like what I planned. That was very different than my sashaying plan. And I always spent about seven, eight days in the hospital, just getting my blood pressure back down. And, you know, thankfully the, you know, as with preeclampsia goes, the delivery was the solution. So um, he was ready to go before I was. And, and we just went home after that. Wow. That is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that is a lot. So how long did your labor induction take? Um, it was actually not long at all. Uh, it was probably about five or six hours from when they started the Pitocin and I, I pushed about two or three times and, and he was out. So, um, that was my delivery all in all, you know, was pretty smooth. Oh, wow. So thankfully. Yeah. Were, did you, did they say you had anything like a placenta abruption or anything like that? Or it was just, cause all, sometimes when labor goes that fast, it's maybe there's some issues with the placenta. I'm just curious. Yeah. Uh, no, you know, okay. thankfully there was nothing crazy, which is kind of wild considering the rest of the story, <laughs> right, right. but yeah, smooth delivery. Just trying to wrap my head around this. A couple things. Number one, I am so glad that you continued to recognize that something was wrong and you went back to the hospital. Like number one, because I, I, I mean, you really could have had a seizure at home. Right, right. Yeah. And, you know, at first I was like, and I think this goes through so many pregnant women's head, like, oh, am I being overdramatic right now? Like, it, you know, like, is it really that big? Should I go in? And that's why I'm such a huge advocate of, I don't care what it is. It's better safe than sorry. Go in, get an answer. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And I'm just curious. I don't understand, like, just thinking about what they did. I'm not sure why they did an amniocentesis. Like, usually we we know that babies that are born early, it, it doesn't, you know, you were sick, you had preeclampsia, usually we just deliver. So that's just interesting to me that they did an amniocentesis first at 35 weeks to decide about what to do, because it didn't ultimately change anything. Right. And um, now where I am at, 
I look back because I didn't even know what an amnios. They're like, you have to do this test. I was like, okay. Like, <laughs> and then you learn the complications that come with it too at the time. And, you know, I know they're very small, but, you know, none of that was even explained to me. And I'm like, hmm, like that all just seemed kind of weird now, you know, that I know more about it, looking back on it. Right. That just must have been incredibly, I mean, how did you feel after that? Like disoriented, sad, confused after the delivery? I mean, I can imagine you just went through a lot of emotions. Yeah. I mean, in all honesty, everything that hit me, like everyone was worried about me and my health, but I wasn't even thinking about that. I was like, I didn't get to change my baby's first diaper. Like, Mm. I'm not the one who did that. I don't, I barely remember having him. Like, I didn't get that. The moment I was looking forward to more than anything was the moment I had my baby and they handed him to me and I got to look at him. And it's like, you know, they did that and I did, but I, I don't, I barely remember. I even see pictures of it. You know, I had people take pictures of it happening and I look back and I'm like, I don't remember that moment. And that, that is to this day still what, you know, drives me. And it was the main thing that I was even concerned about at the moment. Right, right. Wow. Wow. So then let's talk about then going into your next pregnancy. How did all of that affect how you approached things the next time around? Yeah, I mean, I get up on my soapbox about it, but I'll tell you what. No, yeah, yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> it's the the night and day difference, and it wasn't even you know just approaching my next pregnancy. It was my life. the The day we got home from the hospital with my oldest son, it wasn't about oh I'm going to lose this baby weight and look good again. It was listen, we're going to be healthy. I'm going to show you what healthy means, what it looks like. I owe this to you. It's a miracle that you're safe. And it it felt like a second chance at life to me. Like I was never an athletic person. I played sports, but I was the weirdo. Like, you know, health was never a thing on my mind. So I lost, you know, my weight and I got healthy. And then by the time I had my second son, because, you know, they're about seven years apart. That's just who I was. So with my second son, it was night and day, like never a single issue. And, and they told me after Gabriel, my oldest son, they're like, you're going to have blood pressure issues the rest of your life. And then with my second pregnancy, they were like, oh my gosh, that was so bad. Like we want you on the baby aspirin off day one with this. And, you know, it's not like I was trying to go against my doctor, obviously, but I never had one single issue with blood pressure. I was working out, not working out, but I was active three days after I had him. I had a completely natural birth. I remember every single second. I felt amazing. And um, it was just, it was night and day. Absolutely. Right. So, you know, we talked about how on one hand, you were kind of naive in the way that you approached pregnancy. But my gosh, this realization that you came to afterwards is incredibly powerful and not something at at 19 that a lot of folks older and more experienced or however you want to say it than you come to. So I think it's really, um, I don't know, it's, it's just very admirable that it caused you to really take a whole different approach to your life. Oh, gosh. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And, you know, also as a young mom, you obviously get a lot of uh, judgment and criticism and wow, way to ruin your life, blah, blah, blah. But 
I believe everything happens for a reason, you know, whatever any anybody else believes in. And I always look at my son as like, you're the one who who saved me. You're like, you're the one who are why I do what I do today and why I take care of myself the way that I do. So he was my driving force behind everything. That's for sure. Gotcha. And then so that led you to, did you go get training? Is that when you became a health coach? Is that, did you get training as a health coach? And, or did you just, that sort of slowly build over time? Um, so here's what's kind of funny is, I'm sorry, I feel like I have a million stories. Um, no, we love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so at the time, actually, one of my really close friends in high school, she had a baby a couple months just before I did. So we were the same age, pregnant at the same time. And um, she actually gained 100 pounds after she had her daughter. Ooh. And um, I, I'll never forget this day. We were at her apartment hanging out. The kiddos were playing. And uh, at the time, they were about one, a little over one. You know, I'd already lost my weight. I was just, I wasn't coaching anyone. I was just taking care of myself. And we're sitting there and she's eating a bag of hot Cheetos. And she was like, Emily, you have to help me. Like, I... I can't do this anymore. I can't live like this anymore. And I was like, absolutely. And literally starting the next day, we went to the gym together every single day. I just showed her what I was doing. And in 10 months, she lost 130 pounds. And I, I didn't just see, you know, she lost weight and had confidence. Like I saw her life change, everything. And that was my moment of like, this is amazing. Like I, like nothing felt so good as to help her, but what's kind of even crazy after that is I still wasn't like, Oh, Emily, you should be a trainer. I, for the next three years, I coached people completely for free, whoever wanted it, whenever, wherever. And just cause I thought Lord, it was a Emily hobby. is out here. Emily's out here giving away her, all her best stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Step in line. Why not? Uh, right. So it, it, it I just, I did that forever. And then I was like, wait, I was like, isn't this Maybe like I what you get paid for this? Yeah. Isn't this yeah. what people like charge people for? I'm confused. What am I doing here? Um, so then I started the process of looking at what it took to get certified. But then I had those gremlins. Like I know a lot of us do of like, who do you mm-hmm. think you are? Yes. You don't have any formal training. Why would anyone listen to you? And, you know, at the time I was, you know, 22, 20, I was like, who's going to listen to it? a 22 year old about this, whatever. And then my dad passed away from very health reasons that are all preventable. He was a self-induced type two diabetic, blah, blah, blah. And that was my real thing where I was like, all right, man, time to stop messing around. You need to help people. You need to save them. Like, you know, well, not save them, but be the support system that helps them save themselves. And that was when Everything became real for my full time, you know, focus and gig and certification and all that good stuff. Gotcha. So it's so amazing to me how much pregnancy and birth for many women is just such a life changer in so many ways. Oh, yeah. And it's so different than what you think it's going to be. It's nothing like, <laughs> like it's prepared as, you th- as much advice, whatever, how much you think you know yourself you're never prepared until you're right, in it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So let's get back then to talk about number two. So number two, it sounds like you were ready this time. Did you go with the midwife again? I did. Yep. I, I did stick with the the midwife route, uh, a different one than I went to um, previously. So 
my prenatal care for that was the same thing. Um, I had very, well, actually my second pregnancy, in all honesty, the thing with technology is it can really make you worry about things. Like I did the genetic screening and all this stuff and I got put through kind of the ringer of like, your son is very high risk for this trisomy 18 and I had to do the maternal fetal medicine route and then he was measuring small my whole pregnancy and so they were like you know you were worried the blood isn't going to the placenta to feed him and I actually ended up getting induced with him as well um, at 37 weeks because he'd fallen below the fifth percentile on his size on the ultrasound but I was induced and I had him, you know, aside from the induction, I had him naturally and he came out and he was five pounds, seven ounces and perfectly healthy. So it was kind of just inaccurate information coming from the prenatal care side of things on maternal fetal medicine, but it's, it's almost like unavoidable stuff when you do all this testing, you know? So he, yeah, he was perfectly healthy. Yeah. And that's, that's always tough. I'll say from, from our side, you know, we, we do the best I can, the, let me back up. So we, you can definitely go down a rabbit hole with testing for, for things. I think part of the rash things that we don't do a good enough job of is explaining the implications of the results. And then like, telling women, like we can test for these things, but what are we going to do with the information afterwards? And then for the growth piece, ultrasound can be, can be off. So, you know, it's, it's always tough sometimes, you know, we give the best information that we can, obviously in your case, things turned out great and that's what we want, but I can certainly see how that you, you look back and it's like, wait a minute, everything actually, you know, ended up being fine. And, and I can imagine how stressful that was going through that at the time. Yeah. And I definitely keep an open mind to it. You know, um, it's, I know at the end of the day, everyone's trying to give their best piece of advice on things and help you as the best they can. And it, it's almost kind of ironic we're having this conversation because just this previous week, well, I went in for my 20-week anatomy scan a couple weeks ago, and they'd found an echogenic intracardiac focus in this baby. So, yeah, you know, which 99% of the time ends up being nothing. Yes, absolutely. And, um, but then they sprinkle in there or it's, uh, linked to down syndrome. So, um, and this, this is, uh, something that I've noticed just from my last son to this one in the conversation that's happening is they throw this at you and they say, but don't worry about it. It, it's usually nothing. Don't Google right. it. So what right. What are you really going to do? And, Go run and Google. <laughs> right. right. Um, and I, I went to maternal fetal medicine and they did the more in-depth scan just a couple of days ago. He looks great. You know, got, you know, as best they could clearance on all that stuff. But it was 10 days in between that doctor visit of, hey, this is going on to the more in-depth one where you get more answers. And something that I, a gap that, and like, this is obviously something that is not simple to do at all. And I know it's just a process, but of like that conversation to you getting more answers, because what I found, because of course I went online (laughs) and saw the conversations about other people who had this because I'd never heard of it was, you know, I had a month, I had six weeks in between being told that this was going on to getting more answers. And you can almost drive yourself crazy in that time frame of, of overthinking things. 
So that was just one one thing that I had in my head, and it's not something personal against anybody in healthcare. Like I get, I get it's a process, but I wish there was more of a system for the moms who are told these things to, you know, not have that time to go crazy for weeks on end. Yeah, exactly. That that's really important. I I really think we in medicine don't really appreciate or understand some of those things, like we should either like try to expedite as best we can for things to get, you know, an answer quicker or just acknowledge. Maybe do you think it would have been helpful to say like, I know in the meantime that it's going to be hard not to Google and it's going to, that waiting can be very stressful or just acknowledging that it's going to come and maybe, maybe some strategies to deal with it in the meantime. I know it's a, it's a tough thing. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's a great idea. And um, to just share as much information about it, you know, don't just give someone a, a pamphlet on what it is, or just an idea. And, you know, looking back, you know, to my I'm seeing an OB this round, and she seems so not worried about it. Because just as you said, it usually ends up being so I'm sure she's seen it a million times. Right. So, but you've seen it once. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. So she's like, yeah, whatever. It's, uh, and she was like, I've never seen this actually be it. So I'm sure in her head, again, she wasn't worried at all. And that that honestly did make me feel better, though. You know, the fact that she wasn't like, oh, it could be a million things. But just like what you said, it'd be helpful just to hear like, I know this is going to be stressful. We're going to get you in as soon as we can. You know, what more are you going to say? Yeah. 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 So you've, you've had a, a quite, a, you know, a range of experiences with all three of your pregnancies. Yeah. Very <laughs> interesting. That, that is for sure. <laughs> oh, and I forgot to say, you said with the second one, you, you ended up having a completely unmedicated birth, even while being induced. So how long did the induction take? And because uh, a lot of times folks say induction uh, labor induction with medications is more painful than, you know, not having medications for induction. And then did you do anything to prepare for birth that second time around? And are you in the same for the third one? I just threw like five questions at you at once. <laughs> I got them. I got them. I will not let my pregnancy brain get in the way here. <laughs> um, so my my second induction went really great as well. Honestly, I know, I know there's a lot of people who, who don't do so well, but my induction took about, again, six hours from getting the Pitocin to delivering my son. And wow. Uh, yeah, very quick, very quick. Uh, I will say though, just being in so much better physical condition, my recovery was a million times smoother with my second son. So I, I had him, like I said, naturally aside from the Pitocin and, um, you know, it hurt obviously, but <laughs> probably helped that he was smaller too. But my my recovery was was so much better and clearer. And, you know, I got to spend the I I kept it with me the whole night and and all that good stuff. So um, that was great. And then with this upcoming one, I kind of Oh, I'm sorry. Did you take any classes or anything or read books the second time around? Um, no, (laughs) I guess I survived the first one. So I was like, oh, I'll just do this again. I mean, obviously, I'm in like a ton of, uh, you know, mom groups. Sure. I will say that I put a lot more effort into finding out about fitness during pregnancy. So that wasn't something I was super, you know, I knew about it, but I put a lot, a lot of effort into, you know, fitness during pregnancy and keeping it safe and postpartum and, and all that good stuff. 
Gotcha. And then, so how then were you thinking you were going to manage the, the pain? Were you just like, you know, your fitness you were hoping would translate, which it sounds like it did, but had you thought about how specifically you were going to manage the pain? You know, I guess I just had the mindset of, (laughs) this sounds ridiculous, but like women used to have babies in fields and get right back to work. Like, you know, they, (laughs) I'm at least going to be in a nice soft bed. Like I I know it's going to hurt, but right. um, right. And like, it wasn't because I was trying to be, again, it's not like I'm trying to be a hero and have a natural birth. Uh, You know, I'm not against utilizing medication at all. If Mm -hmm, if that's mm -hmm. the route you choose. Uh, it just really freaks me out to think of a needle going in my spine. Like I gotcha. really don't like that idea. You'd be surprised. A lot of women actually feel that way. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I believe it. I believe it. So um, I was just like, I know that it will end eventually. So we'll just get through it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Hey, so you made it this far in the episode and I'm thinking it's because you enjoyed this podcast. Well, if that's the case, then I have a favorite to ask. Creating and producing the All About Pregnancy Into Birth podcast has been one of the greatest joys of my life. I'm so grateful to have each and every one of you on this journey with me. Your support and engagement means the world to me and it's what helps keep this podcast going. But here's the thing. Producing a podcast involves time, effort, and resources from recording equipment to an editor, hosting fees, coordinating guests, countless hours spent researching and crafting content. It all adds up. And that's where I could use your support. I've never wanted to turn all about pregnancy and birth into a paywall. I want it to remain accessible to everyone. That's why I've set up a way for you to support the show financially if you're able and willing. If this podcast has helped you during your pregnancy, your birth, or your life, I'm asking you to consider contributing to the show. Your support will help cover production and team costs and ensure that I can continue delivering the episodes you love. So in the month of March, head to drnicolerankins.com forward slash support and contribute whatever you can. Your support, no matter how big or small, makes a significant impact. It helps us continue delivering high quality content and ensures the future of all about pregnancy and birth. Again, that's drnicolerankins.com forward slash support. Thank you so much for being part of the all about pregnancy and birth community. Now back to the show. And so this time around, things are going other than this little snafu with the um, intra intra. I can't even get it out. The the cardiac focus. How how are things going this time? And are you approaching things any differently this time? Oh uh, yeah, this time things are yeah. Aside from that, smooth sailing. And I would just say that I'm really looking a lot more into my postpartum care better than I did with my last son. Like this is my third child. We have two other kids to worry about. Like this is why I switched to an OB. My hospital's a lot closer than the one I delivered at before. It's 15 minutes right down the road. We live in the middle of nowhere, so it's hard to get places. And we're just looking at, we, we've we even talked about scheduling an induction with this baby, like when I can at 39 weeks, because, and I know not everybody would agree with this, but my husband's family lives out of town. Like we don't have a lot of help. Yeah, a, no, that's not unreasonable at all. Yeah, and with our other kids and animals, he's a police officer, and they actually expect you to get your vacation time in for this ahead of time. Like, you know when a baby's going to come. So 
it's almost like planning it out. I'm just really focusing on the postpartum piece of this. Both my kids will be on summer break. So all three are going to be home when I'm immediately postpartum. So right. um, that's one of the biggest things I would say is is different with this one is the planning I'm trying to do. Gotcha. And I did want to ask, how are things different between having a midwife and an OB? Do you notice any differences? I'm curious. So far, honestly, not too much. I've only met with my OB two times so far. Um, I was with a nurse practitioner my first couple appointments, but I will say that at this point, there is, there's really not too much of a difference in my care. Uh, I don't know if that'll be different when I actually go to deliver, but I should also mention when I, I delivered my first son that my midwife actually was not the one who delivered him uh, okay. because I had an on-call. You were high risk. And... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that okay. was different. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, just to wrap up, I'm curious about, do you feel any guilt about your first pregnancy and how that, how you've managed that, if you feel any guilt about um, the differences in the way you approached your pregnancies? Oh, yeah. Like I said, I get choked up (laughs) just to this day thinking about it. Um, Like I definitely can look back at my first pregnancy and feel a bunch of guilt over that. And I can say, you're a bad person. You missed out on this. Um, You endangered him that. Or I can choose to look at the big picture of what came out of it. I never would have been a trainer. I never would take care of myself as much. I would never value health as much if I hadn't gone through all of that and at such a young age as well. And um, I can choose to look at that way and appreciate what came out of it. And for any mom who's maybe feeling guilt over a choice they're making during pregnancy or made in the past, you know, just know that you're allowed to be human and make mistakes and you can choose to grow through those mistakes. And they're all just learning lessons at the end of the day. So it's a choice you got to make on how you're going to look at things. And again, looking at the big picture of what's really important here. He's healthy. He's fine. And so, so am I because of him. Yeah, absolutely. And this is obviously like, you know, one of the questions I had written down to ask ahead of time was how has this affected your work? And I think that's in every single way it's affected what you do today. Oh yeah. I would, I would not, you know, awkward Emily and I, I think just about anyone in high school that knew me would be so surprised that, you know, I turned out to be a trainer. I don't think anyone saw that coming, <laughs> not even myself. Right. right. And at this point I've coached over 300 people and I look at the, wow, not, you know, it's not like I'm the one changing their lives, but I'm helping them change their own life. And that came from him. It's really incredible. Yeah, it is. It is indeed. So last question, if you had to choose your favorite piece of advice to give to other women as they go through pregnancy and get ready for their birth, what would that be? I would say to have no expectations of yourself as hard as that sounds. Oh, wow. um, Just how much your body is going to change and how it's never going to be the same, but your entire life's going to be that way. And just let it be what it's supposed to, because it's a miracle to create a life. And I think in today's society, 
we forget that. Like what? Like it is a true miracle to create a human being, and then it's a miracle to raise them and get to be have a connection with somebody like that. So just don't have an expectation of what it's supposed to look like. Don't let other people influence how you choose to go through things and just let this be your own miracle and look however you you need it to. I love that. I love that. So where can women connect with you if they're interested in learning about more about what you do? Um, where can women find you? Oh, yeah. Um, so you can go on Instagram. It's just Emily Wilson Health. And Emily is E-M-I-L-E-E, a little weird. And then um, Facebook page, I have the same thing, Emily Wilson Health. Share a bunch of stuff on those things. And then I also have a podcast. It's called the Love Yourself Naked Podcast. And I talk all things fitness, nutrition, mindset, life. My cat, I call him my co-host because he's always meowing in the bathroom or the background. (laughs) It's not as professional as this. Um, So uh, they can find me any of those places and send me a message. Yeah, I love it. I will link to all of that in the show notes for sure. Well, thank you so much, Emily, for coming on. You have a really inspiring story, and I appreciate you taking the time to share it with us today. Thanks so much for having me, Nicole. Appreciate it. Right. So wasn't that a great episode? After every episode, when I have a guest on, I do something called Nicole's Notes, where I talk about my top three or four takeaways from the episode. And there were so many things that struck me about this episode that it was hard for me to choose just a few points for Nicole's Notes. But here we go. All right. Number one, Emily talked about how with her first pregnancy, she was on Medicaid, which is insurance for low income women. And she talked about how her midwife chastised her about her weight instead of like really helping her with her weight. And I'm not talking about the midwife in specific, you know, in particular, I don't know her, but I do know that low income women and young women can be at risk for being mistreated during pregnancy and birth. People can often make judgments. I am probably guilty of doing that myself uh, in the earlier days of my career. But to be clear, everyone deserves the same level of respect and care. So if you feel like you're being mistreated because you're young or because you're on Medicaid, and by the way, Medicaid covers 40% of births in this country. So there are lots of women who utilize Medicaid for their birth. If you feel like you're being mistreated, then bring it up or find another more supportive provider. And also I would say if you work in the healthcare field and you see women, if you're a nurse, because I know I have nurses who listen, doulas who listen, if you work in the healthcare field and you see this sort of disrespect happening, um, then call it out if you feel comfortable doing so, because that is how culture changes. All right, number two, Emily is a lovely woman, but let me tell you that her approach of not really doing anything to prepare for birth does not work for most women. Um, I have seen a handful of women in my nearly 15 years of doing this who can just pop in and have an unmedicated birth without preparing ahead of time. If you don't prepare ahead of time, you are way more likely to get overwhelmed and ask for pain medication, especially in the hospital. 
So I suggest for sure you uh, read a book or take a course so that you can prepare. Of course, the birth preparation course, my online childbirth education course has tons of information to help you with an unmedicated birth, including an entire um, lesson for women who want to do an unmedicated hospital birth specifically. So you can check out the birth preparation course at ncrcoaching.com forward slash enroll. Now, number three, I've said this before and I'll say it again, listen to your body. If something is not right, then go in. Emily listened, even though they sent her home the first time, things weren't getting better. She still wasn't feeling well. She went back the second time and that's when she was diagnosed with severe preeclampsia and health syndrome. It can be the difference between life and death, literally. Um, so you must, if you have things or you have that feeling, something's telling you that something's not right, then go back, get answers until you find an answer that you are satisfied with. And then the final thing I will say is there is always an opportunity to make a new choice. And Emily is a perfect example of that. So give yourself some grace. Know that we all make mistakes in life. We all do things that we wish we would have done differently. But every moment, every minute, every day is an opportunity to make a new choice. You can make new choices and do things differently going forward. All right, so that is it for this episode of the podcast. And speaking of new choices, who's gonna make a new choice regarding how you approach your pregnancy as a result of hearing Emily's inspiring story? Who's gonna eat differently? Who's gonna move your body more? Let me know in the All About Pregnancy and Birth Facebook group. This is a great group of supportive women. It's over 600 women in the group at the time that I've recorded this. And I'm in the group as well. And the community manager, Keisha, who's a doula is in the group. But the best part of the group is the pregnant women for sure. Just a really supportive and helpful community. So let me know in the group if you are going to make some new choices about how you approach your pregnancy. Also be sure to subscribe to the podcast and Apple podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts like Spotify. And please leave me a review in Apple podcast in particular. Number one, I love hearing what you say about the show. Number two, it helps the show to grow, helps other women find the show. And number three, I give shout outs on episodes to folks who leave me reviews. So leave me an honest review in Apple podcast. I so appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. Now, next week on the podcast, we have a doctor of acupuncture and Chinese medicine. It is going to be an amazing episode. So do come on back next week. And until then, I wish you a healthy and happy pregnancy and birth. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the All About Pregnancy and Birth podcast. Head to my website, ncrcoaching.com, to get even more great info, including free downloadable resources on how to manage pain and labor and warning signs to look out for after birth. You'll also find information on my free online class on how to make a birth plan, as well as everything you need to know about the birth preparation course. Again, that's ncrcoaching.com, and I will see you next week.